step back into the ring with your favorite unstable stable here at Replay Purview, the wrestling podcast that takes a new look at the old pay-per-views. I am your host, Brian Salisbury, the whole damn show, and I'm joined by my lucha brother from my actual mother, Mr. Blake Salisbury. Zero. Miero. Wait, is it Miro? No. Miro is the wrestler that's not on TV right now. So I guess there is currently zero Miro on AEW because he is uh, he's not there. There's plenty of Miro here, though, and that's right, because it's Blake, it's me, it's RPV. I don't know. I was trying to do a shtick. Well done. Well done. And, of course, the phenom that makes our show a three-nom, king of brunch, Mr. Mimosa Colossus himself, Fancy Dan. Just remember to drink those mimosas with your thumbs up. Oh, 100%, because otherwise you are not so fancy. And we have a lot to talk about, uh, not only with this pay-per-view, but with some interesting new developments with RPV, as you know it and love it. Everything is about to change. We're not merging with another podcast and having a uh, (laughs) podcast versus podcast kind of pay-per-view thing. No, that's not happening. But there are some interesting things happening. Uh, We we can talk about it up top, I feel. Uh, So as you may have noticed, this project, much as we set forth with great ambition to get through all of the years of backlog wrestling that I had missed being a lapsed wrestling fan and getting back into things at the start of the pandemic, we are not progressing as quickly as we would like. And so we discussed ways to kind of improve our efficiency and also maybe not have to talk about so many individual matches that, uh, what is the polite way to put it, put it, suck donkey dick. So instead, what we are going to do, because we are in the back half of 2002 right now, and we're coming up on 2003, starting in 2003, we will actually be covering in each episode a quadrant of the year, a quarter of the year, if you will, on the fiscal calendar. So the first episode will be spring of 2003, covering three pay-per-views, and then so on and so on until the whole year is done. And that will allow us, A, to move through the year quicker, and B, be able to talk about the highlights of that series of pay-per-views of course we'll still mention the winners and losers the entire card but we'll really get in depth on the matches that we like and bring a little bit more positivity to our wrestling discussion if you need an analogy to describe what we're doing we're in a car fancy dan myself brian we all look at each other and we go let's put the pedal to the fucking metal and let's get through fucking pay-per-views because we are on a trajectory to like what finishing this podcast in the year 20s so we needed to speed it up, and that's what we're doing, and I love it. Yep, and I think we I think we all kind of started getting the feeling, and maybe it was dragging a little bit just because we did have to talk about so many matches that we didn't really want to talk about. Um, I think this is going to help us, and I think I think it'll make it more enjoyable, hopefully, for us to to do the, to do it, and also uh, maybe for the listeners, they will enjoy us being a little more positive in our our analysis. I, I'm cheating a little bit by bringing into replay review a little bit of that junk food cinema mentality that I think it's always more fun to talk about things that you like. And it's always more fun for people to listen to you talk about things that you like. So we are going to be on a fast track. Now, do not think this means the end of King of the Cast. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, it will. the winner will just be determined by a cumulative score of wins and losses picked correctly. By Brian. Over- by by me over those three to four pay-per-views can i mean depending on how many there were in that particular season and it'll just be a cumulative score that determines that episode's king of the cast and frankly i think will be more rewarding because you will be the king of uh, the king of an entire season as opposed to a king of just one pay-per-view it's the ring zone slash red zone of rpv 
It is the red zone of RPV. Blake, I mm-hmm. love that. That's exactly what we're doing. We are doing the red zone of uh, catching up on professional wrestling from the last 20 years. And I'm so. your host, Scott Hansen here, and this is RPV. I just love that now the winter of every year is going to be the witching hour. Yes, the the uh, <laughs> the main events. The, f- the back half of the card is now the witching hour. And if those pay-per-views are bad, they'll be the bitching hour from the three of us, and we'll be right back to that old format. I like the bitching hour more. It fits our mold better. I I think it does. But uh, today on this episode, we are going to cover Vengeance. But this will be the last episode of RPV that covers just one pay-per-view to kind of ease us into this new format what we're going to do from here on out for the rest of 2002 is cover two pay-per-views at a time there are six pay-per-views left after this one so it kind of worked out pretty well so the next three episodes to close out 2002 we'll be talking about two pay-per-views at a time but let's talk about the here and now the last episode to cover just one pay-per-view and in this case that is vengeance 2002 and now subway presents wwe vengeance July 21st, 2002, in Joe, Joe Louis Arena, Detroit, Michigan. That's right. And if those statistics and numbers didn't confuse you like a War Games pay-per-view, well, then you're not paying attention, are you? But yes, it's Detroit, Michigan, July 21st, 2002, the Joe Louis Arena, right, where the Detroit Red Wings play uh, or used to play. And the tagline for this pay-per-view was quick and merciless. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> it uh, it was not quick, uh, but it was fairly uh, fairly fun. So uh, Fair, fairly painless, at least. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that have happened since the last pay review. A couple of the storylines that are really going to come into play here. The, the first of which is we mentioned at King of the Ring that Stone Cold Steve Austin had made an exit from the WWE. But this is the first pay-per-view where, you know, he wasn't already scheduled when he left. So this is the first pay-per-view that fans are aware that he's not going to be there. So uh, Blake has some information on how this started to affect the buy rate for these pay-per-views. Yeah, the buy rate continued to uh, be a little stagnant. Um, I think King of the Ring did fairly well in terms of the actual ticket sales and it being sold out. But as of right now, uh, looking back at some of the Meltzer uh, Observer reports, uh, t- the in in arena attendance was was kind of lacking, um, and I do think it was because Austin left, uh, and a lot of the storylines changed. So instead of getting Guerrero uh, or Flair and Austin, you got Guerrero and uh, Benoit and the Dudley, the Dudleys. It's very strange, right? So there's a lot of things happening, and a lot of it had to do with Austin leaving. So Austin leaving kind of left this gap of a story that you know you had airtime to fill. Uh, what I think is interesting is that it was the introduction of Eric Bischoff back into wrestling altogether since the WCW days. And he's back. He's back. And um, very fucking weird. Like, we've basically just gone in full reverse, right? So Eric Bischoff, uh, during a Raw, literally walks across the screen during a segment, and it's like, wait, what the fuck? You know, like, would you say it's been 83 weeks since anyone's seen him on TV? That's correct. It's been 84 years since he's been on TV. And it's uh, it's quite a shock. And it's a shock to the actual people in the back who, uh, you know, have been reported to basically say at the time is that, uh, yeah, they had no idea. And it was basically done 10 days before it happened. Uh, you know, it was probably cut as a longer term storyline deal, but it was only for on screen character purposes. He was not 
writing and being in the booker, uh, booking seat. That was very interesting as well at the time because Vince actually pulled Vince Russo back in as head of or a, uh, a spot of creative at the table. And uh, yeah, bro, I'm back in the inner circle, bro. Literally, uh, Vince Russo was in one meeting and he pitched the idea of doing a full on reset where they do a uh, GM versus GM of uh, uh, Bischoff versus Foley. Bischoff basically representing um, the WCW and Foley. They're basically stuck in the fucking invasion era, right? So Russo pitches Mm -hmm. that and they're like, there's no fucking way. The only way that if it's even going to be Foley, it will never be. It's going to be Stephanie if we're going to represent somebody for the WWE GM. So there was that actual contingency happening of like Stephanie will be the face. It will not be Foley. There's a big of a power struggle, but Vince is kind of at the reins and Russo gets brought in and then quickly swept back to never mind, bro. I'm fired, bro. One creative meeting. And then he was paid to sit at his ass for three weeks until he got back in TNA. So as this is happening, right? Uh, we are starting to see new faces. John Cena has made an appearance, right? This is his first pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. The term ruthless aggression has been brought up many, oh, yeah. many, many times. Times. Over and <laughs> over again. So we are in this new era called ruthless aggression. And I find it interesting because how, how much we've talked about Triple H in the past, right? You know, we'll stop here for a second. I want to get your thoughts. What do you, and I'll, talk, I'll start with Dan. What do you feel like Triple H's status right now in the company is? Where he's at, where he's come from, where we've seen him come from, right? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, he's definitely not going over as much. He's not in as many matches as he used to be. I don't know if he's, you know, somewhat definitely injured, injury driven. Yeah, injury driven. Yes, absolutely. So I think, but but I think even the storylines not being, you know, not having the wrestling aspect, he's he's kind of almost an afterthought. It feels like to me, he's definitely not a, a, a you know, one of the main drivers of any storyline whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I kind of think, you know, as we move forward, it'll be interesting to see how he grows and gets back into it. But yeah, it doesn't seem like, like he's doing a, a whole lot, even just, just to push any kind of like, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm in, I'm on the I'm inside the guy here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he used to be, even when he was hurt, he was still kind of like that, but now it's, it, you know, with the, with the divorce that happened with, you know, that, that whole storyline, it really does feel like he's on the outside and he's almost just another guy in the, in the locker room. Brian, what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like he's, his presence is, is he's trying to force his presence even when he's not in the ring all these injuries keeping him out of the the game have not deterred him in any way from being a presence backstage. I mean, that's why we get this incredibly boring segment during this pay-per-view of him deciding whether he's going to go to Raw or SmackDown. It feels like a Raw or SmackDown segment because it is so inconsequential. And it's like, dude, you, like you're you're messing with the flow of this show. You are really like interrupting the momentum of this card and and just so that you can have this very egotistical moment of like, where am I going to, it's like, dude, if you were the champion, maybe this segment would make sense, Mm -hmm. but you don't even have gold and you're still making a whole big production out of which, which day you're going to work. I mean, let's be real. It's just which day of the week you're going to work. Yeah, I think you, you're right. And I think I, at that moment when that got about halfway through, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go refill my drink. I'll be back. Uh, Let me know when it's over. It's one hundred percent. It's definitely something to remember that he was a part of the clique 
right? So the click was the infamous, uh, you know, Kevin Nash, um, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Mm -hmm. uh, Scott Hall. And they got in trouble for doing the curtain call, if y'all remember, where essentially at the end of the house show, they came out, said goodbye to the, the crowd as a face and heel segment where they like basically shook hands and like kind of waved to the fan as a goodbye because Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were leaving and Shawn Michaels was the champion and Triple H basically got shafted because he was the only one remaining where they could actually punish him. So um, at that point, he was the bare bones of the company, right? So his, his ascendance into the company kind of started from that point where he had to work his way back up. The China thing happened, obviously. He was champion for a while, then the injury started to occur. But for me, what was very interesting is that him and Stephanie, that dynamic, right? On screen, they were divorced. In the background, they were starting to actually, I feel like, start the actual power couple behind WWE, and this was actually the Mm. start of it. Um, As I'm doing my long-winded approach, I wanted to get to the aspect of an interesting locker room discussion that he had with the people in the back, because as I mentioned, Cena was coming out, Batista was now there, right? Younger guys from OVW, Brock Lesnar, for instance, uh, they were making a presence known. So Randy Orton, Randy Orton, right? So uh, I can't actually find the uh, the article because as I have all this stuff up, it's like, well, overload. Um, here it is. So Triple H talked about there being too many people in the locker room who think they deserve a push ahead of the newer guys because they've been there longer. And this is Dave Meltzer's report. He said too many guys are sitting back waiting for someone to give them a push rather than breaking out from the pack and earning the push. He said he got over on his own when management was trying to hold him down after the MSG curtain call incident said too many guys are being lazy playing cards and playing video games backstage rather than watching the matches and learning. He said, just because you've had a few good matches on TV doesn't mean you know how to work or deserve a push. And also said everyone needs to work harder at house shows because attendance is down. And it was guys like him who worked hard to rebuild the company the last time the business was down. Needless to say, for a locker room full of people who feel like they bust their asses only to get their legs cut off and hit a glass ceiling, often at the same hands of the person giving the speech, this went over just about as well as you would think. It was not well received. Um, I don't think, you know, Dave said he didn't think Triple H was wrong, but it's very fucking weird it's coming from him. Like It's, it's the right weird... message coming from the wrong person. Yeah. I and I, I, if I was a wrestler in the back hearing that shit, you know, if you're Cena, who probably didn't feel like this because Cena is just, you know, Cena, uh, I would be like, yo, you basically slept and married the wife's or the owner's daughter. Like, right. what are you talking about that you like, you know, rebuilt the company and whatnot? Yeah, you had. That's what he means by get over on his own is that he got over on her and therefore, uh, yeah, okay. Because I honestly don't want to say that to Triple H's face because he'd get in my face with his like big ass nose and all that shit. He'd be like, what did you just uh, say? Uh? And I'd be like, no, sir. No, thank you. So interesting. I, I feel stuff. like I still feel like the entirety of NXT is Triple H making amends for how many people he stepped on and how many people he buried in order to stay the top guy. It's like this weird sort of Christmas Carol thing where like he has he, it's like, what day is it? Oh, it's WrestleMania Day, sir. I haven't missed it. Uh, and he's like giving now giving a shot to all these people. So that was so funny when Vince ended up gutting all that. And then Triple H coming back and getting to start to rebuild NXT again. But yeah, a, a lot of this behind the scenes stuff is is fascinating and explains, you know, the, the thing you said about uh, what Russo tried to pitch explains why since the last pay-per-view, there has been a new GM of both Raw and SmackDown announced in Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon, respectively. And now we know it was why specifically those two 
were chosen. So that's everything you need to know going into Vengeance. Now, the opening of Vengeance, this is the most blockheaded, hilarious, we know it's popular, but we don't know why kind of a thing. <laughs> Vengeance opens with Ezekiel 2517, which, of course, was made famous by Pulp Fiction. Funny thing about Ezekiel 2517, it's not a real Bible verse because there is no Ezekiel 2517. So this thing that they're quoting and literally putting the words Ezekiel 2517 as if they're literally quoting the Bible is that it doesn't fucking exist in the Bible. So really all they're <laughs> quoting is Pulp Fiction. I, I do think that there is this uh, junk food aspect to this type of like promo into the pay-per-view. It's awful in every shape and form, but I kind of like it. It's kind of stupid, but I do think it's it's just stupid fun. I don't know. Like I think it's ridiculous that they're doing this, but I don't know. I kind of had fun with it. All I know is that there is no way in hell that Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery got paid royalties for this because Vince 100% thought that he was quoting the Bible, and the Bible is public domain. <laughs> I'm so surprised yeah. that a company that, does, that doesn't pay for Jimi Hendrix's song <laughs> and plays some like weird garage band cover that they just did uh, which sounds exactly like it. I'm surprised. So let's go ahead and get into the card. So the first match on the card unofficially was Goldust versus Stevie Richards. Uh, Goldust defeated Stevie Richards, so good for Goldust. Moving on to the actual card, the Dudley Boys take on Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. I talked about this. I mentioned the fact that Chris Benoit was supposed to feud with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. All of a sudden, now we have Purgatory because Austin's left, so the Dudley Boys came in, and now they're feuding. Very strange. Well, um, first of all, when you say Dudley Boys, you mean Bubba Ray and Spike, and this is a tag team table match, so the only way to win is to put both of your opponents through a table with an offensive mood. Excuse me, an offensive move. And the first thing that struck me about this is why weren't Spike and Bubba Ray immediately made a tag team when the Dudleys were split up by the brand split? I Instead of trying to give Bubba an individual push... Why not just put him with Spike? Because it really did feel like Bubba back in his element working as part of a tag team, especially with tables, especially with somebody who's part of the Dudley's family. I think that's why they 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 found, they found that Bubba Bubba Ray on his own was not working so well. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, quick. I think that this is them saying, "All right, we we know course what need, what, need, what needs to happen, and we've got to put him up against you know." the other the other two that we need to find some work for since mm-hmm. Steve, you know, Stone Cold's gone. So, so it's two different course corrections at once. Yeah, I think so. It's just I mean, so it was so kind of what are we going to do? Let's let's see if this works. And it it kind of did. It kind of did. If I'm the booker, I'm basically just playing chess, but I haven't lifted my finger yet and I move Bubba Ray is like a solo competitor. No, just kidding. <laughs> didn't, I didn't, didn't take my finger off. Didn't didn't take take my finger off. <laughs> right now we got Spike coming in. That's a better pairing. Yep. Bubba doesn't kill it as a solo guy. Let's put him with the, the Dudley. So, yeah, no, I think this was definitely back, back a little bit closer to his element. Um, and they did some, they did some good work. We're being pulled yeah. into the ruthless aggression. They, they literally are like going full backwards with storylines. Now they're like, Nope, we're reversing it all. Fuck it. We're going backwards. Yep. Yep, we, we're going, we're moving in the wrong direction. Although I will say, I thought this was a great match. I mean, it had 
tension in that you didn't know who was going to go through a table when there was mm-hmm. a, a spot where like literally Benoit has Bubba up on the turnbuckle and goes to do like a superplex and Spike dives and knocks the table out of the way, which is really cool. It has some slapstick elements that were funny um, and it had some awesome spots. Like I was really impressed with this match as much as it may have been a last minute course correction slap together, whatever, whatever. Like I thought it was a pretty solid match. Yeah, I think you got quality wrestlers going into it. I mean, you know, you've got Eddie Guerrero. Come on now. And then yeah. Chris Benoit getting back to his his, you know, normal just aggressive style. Those are always fun to watch. And then you throw the like you're saying the slapstick in with the Dudley Boys, the new Dudley Boys. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was definitely a, one of the one of the matches we w- would would like to talk about. <laughs> solid solid match. You got two guys that can go. You got the Dudley Boys. Uh, I, you know, they they are very specific on the matches that they have to be good in, right? I don't think a regular tag team match is going to really put this over the edge. They have to do the table matches, obviously, to the Dudleys, right? Mm-hmm. But I yeah. love the fact that Benoit and Guerrero still fucking go in this match. It is a solid match. It's not a five-star mm-hmm. match, but I, you put this in an AEW-type setting today, it's still going to kill it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very ahead-of-its-time match in that regard. You know, it, it, it was fun. I loved it. I am perfectly okay with the fact that the star of this match is the tables because you have two people that have literally made tables their entire identity and two people who can work with anybody in any scenario. So it it just works. Uh, And in terms of King of the Cast, you know, Taz has a quote during this match that there are no winners in a table match. And it turns out he's right. And that includes us because we didn't make our uh, our dirt sheet predictions like this this particular match didn't make its way to our dirt sheet so none of us had it had a winner picked so no points were tallied uh to be fair we all would to have be picked, fair. to be fair to be fair we all would have picked um probably eddie guerrero and chris benoit so we all would have probably started off 0-1 anyway i re- i refuse i refuse to uh to buy into this theoretical horseshit <laughs> having said that the next match on... Oh, the Dudley Boys went over, too, which was very interesting as well. The next match on the card had Billy Kidman taking on Jamie Noble for the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, yep. I don't believe that y'all are a fan of either Jamie Noble or Billy Kidman. Just Nope, I, I picked Billy Kidman. You guys both picked Jamie Noble. So 1-0 uh, you guys, 0-1 me. Yeah, Jamie Noble comes in as the Cruiserweight Champion despite the fact that he is... I don't know who he is. He just came into the company. He's already got gold. They're clearly thinking this kid is going to be somebody, and he's he's awful. Like He's got no charisma. They slap him with this redneck trailer trash character that doesn't work, and they pair him up with, is it Nidia? Nivia? Nidia. Uh, Nidia. Yeah. She sells semiconductors. I think it's Activia because she moved through the company quickly and then was flushed, so I'm going to call her Activia. Nidia won tough enough. She did. And then they immediately were like, oh, you're not a good enough wrestler. They sent her back down to the developmental leagues. Now they brought her back as a valet. And it's like, what was the point then at all of her being on tough enough? And yeah, I just, I don't understand this push for Jamie Noble. I don't think he's got any charisma. I don't think, I mean, he can, he, he's fine in the ring. He's fine in the way that like, yeah, you expect him to kind of be a, either a trainer or a, a sparring partner for training and not really a definitely not a pay-per-view guy and uh yeah he goes over he retains the the cruiserweight championship and that's really all i can say about this match because i don't really yeah. care about anything else i genu- gen- genuinely liked billy kidman when you know 
leading up to this and this match just didn't highlight either of them and it was a you know not a solid match I I don't know I I'm I'm a little bit on the uh, other side of the fence with Jamie Noble um, I'm curious because the cruiserweight uh, division right now is gonna be supported by I think Jamie Noble for a bit and as well as Billy Kidman so for me I this is kind of a, a the chain wrestling that I like to see um, but I know it's not the strongest of matches um, Jamie Noble does go over uh, Billy Kidman I just I don't know I'm gonna hold on to this cruiserweight cha- uh, cruiserweight division and I'm hopeful that the next few matches will show more of what uh, potentially Jamie Noble is possible and capable of. I know Billy Kidman is fun. I know that. Not to read ahead here, but we did watch the Raws and Smackdowns after Vengeance, once we had watched Vengeance, and there is somebody coming into the company that if he doesn't come in and immediately dominate the Cruiserweight division, then it's an epic fail on the part of the bookers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brock Lesnar's already in the company, though, Brent. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> as Dan mentioned, Big Show has been here for a while, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, <laughs> the next match on the card, uh, we have William Regal taking on Jeff Hardy for the European Championship match. Um, this was not rated highly at all from Meltzer, and this was a boring quick match. Long four huh. minutes and 16 seconds. Interesting, because I'm on the other side of the fence on this match. I actually, I'm not saying this was a great match, but what I thought was solid about it is that I enjoy Regal dragging the high-flying Jeff Hardy into a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that it feels like Jeff Hardy's really being, like, dragged into a, uh, like, a knuckle-dusting uh, scrap kind of a match, and I, I appreciated that. I also appreciated the fact that Jeff Hardy looks like chin-strap Joker, in this with the green hair and the purple armbands like why so unchill brah but the batman movie that it looks like he's from is not the dark knight it looks like more of like batman forever to me you know oh sure in yeah the, yeah uh, he looks like one of the Daglo gang from uh yes from batman forever the, the, he he'll ride a motorcycle too he'll he'll borrow undertakers and he'll go riding in the night and and, and race robin and whatnot and after Jeff Hardy wins this match, goes over and retains the European Championship, he is weirdly congratulated by both Ric Flair and Hogan. And like, you're doing great. We're really proud of you. In a way that I was like, are they are they prepping for a Jeff Hardy push here? Because this seems like a lot of lofty praise for him to be getting for, you know, retaining the European Championship over William Regal. Well, we don't see Matt right now, too, which is interesting. I, 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 I don't know if he's injured, but clearly the uh, the more quote-unquote successful solo run so far has been Jeff, and I am very curious mm-hmm. to see. They've put the European Championship on him. I believe they put the Hardcore Championship on him. So mm-hmm. they're clearly putting gold on this kid, um, and with the things that we know now in terms of his uh, abuse issues, you just wonder when that potentially may cut, catch up with him. But for now, he's just a stud um, yeah, in the he, ring. He doesn't disappoint. So I, I would say overall the match was kind of forgettable, but but there was there were definitely some good good spots in it. Uh, we went with the uh, Jeff Hardy selections for myself and Brian and Dan. Maybe he's going for the sunset flip because he went for William Regal. So he's 0-2 and, and we are 2-0. and o. Well done. And that takes us to the very auspicious next match on the card. What year is it? Because we have Chris <laughs> Jericho and John Cena, um, which is a hell of a ride uh, for mm-hmm. just in a singles match. So uh, John Cena has entered the company at this point. Um, young gun, but he's done great so far. Uh, a lot of this uh, back and forth uh, was le- leading to a slap that occurred between John Cena and Chris Jericho. 
Um, I think it was before this match. I think it was leading up to this. That legitimately was a very hard-ass slap. Like, Chris Jericho told Cena, slap me in the face as hard as you can because we need to make this shit look good. And he did. And he certainly did. And this match uh, was fun. Um, I'm not oh, sure why he told him to get his wife's name out of her out of his mouth, but that was weird. Yeah. Um, I I liked this match. Uh, it's it's is it Cena's first pay per view match or was King of the Ring his first? It is. Match? No, this is his first pay per view match. And Blake, you were telling me off mic that there's sort of a weird backstory behind this slap because it wasn't intentionally. It wasn't originally intended for Jericho. No, it was actually more pitched in the. Uh, I believe Pat Patterson pitched it where he said Vince McMahon is the person that you should slap, right? If the scenario occurs where, you know, it's the Kurt Angle start, but then, you know, it comes out and, you know, Cena is actually trying to start a ruthless aggression. That could be a logical step forward. Uh, that was nixed uh, just because they thought Vince being slapped by Cena is probably a knock on his character, not something that they want to actually show. Uh, they decided that. Right. Jer- but who is who when you say they nixed it and they thought better of it? Who Who is the they that you were? Oh, I'm to? sorry. It's the power. It's the power couple. It's Triple H. Because at this mm-hmm. point, like we had talked about locker room side, Triple H is very influential, very influential. He's kind of like the uh, I don't know. I think he's like worm tongue. From uh, Lord of yes. the Rings, you know, one hundred percent. If Worm Tongue was on the clear in the cream and looked like a perfect square that always had just gotten out of the shower, <laughs> then yes, Worm Tongue. Keep your steroid needles behind your teeth. <laughs> I will say this: it was the right move because, as we know now in hindsight, Cena is sort of the ultimate babyface, right? So for him to have started out just being the guy that tried to stone cold his way into being like a rogue heel kind of, it wouldn't have worked because that's just not who Cena is. That's not where his charisma lies. On the other hand, I don't think that was the motivation behind nixing the McMahon slap. It was really just because if that happened, then Cena's going to be the guy getting that rocket push and Triple H did not want, it was 100% Triple H did not want anyone pushed ahead of him while he was still recovering from his injuries. After that point, once he had gold, he didn't give a shit. But while he was in this vulnerable position, he did not want anybody to ascend to that throne. I guarantee you a thousand percent that's what it is. Fun fact as well, when you said Cena not uh, being the babyface that he is, hilariously, he was finishing up his OVW run at the same time. So he was actually splitting uh, a few appearance, appearances. And at the time in OVW, he was the major heel. You're like, shitting me. No, hilariously, he was a heel in OVW. Which I do think is a huge um, benefit to somebody if you're a heel at any point. If you're known as always the babyface, I feel like it kills a lot of your character. So like Chris Jericho, I feel like, is so good at going back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like Cena was doing a heel run in OVW. So very interesting dynamics being played there. 100%. But I, and I thought this was a solid match. There is a lot of great spots in this. Cena is so poised and so charismatic so early in his WWF career is like really, really impressive. And you can understand why he became the, like the international superstar, the, the cosmic whoa, whoa, superstar. Whoa. Spoilers, Brian. Sorry. How do we know this? I really uh, hope he can, I hope he can make a name for himself. That's all I'll say. What do you think? There's another guy starring in the suicide squad and peacemaker. Now is that <laughs> we're going to pretend that's, the Oh, it's thing? that John Cena. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're confused because you can't see him, so you don't know what he looks like. Do you really want to taste it? That's my question. (laughs) There's a spot in this match where Cena is going for the big splash, so he comes off the corner and jumps up in the air to do the splash, and then 
Jericho gets up on the second turnbuckle and spins around and drop kicks him directly in the chest. And I was like, I don't know if he's broken a rib or what, but that was one of the coolest spots I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got the, I'm just going for it every match, right? I'm the, I'm the, uh, the young gun and I got to prove my, uh, my stuff. So I, I do feel good about the fact that Cena goes over. It's the first aspect of Cena going over and I'm sure we're going to get many more to come. Um, and yeah, not only that, but the finish of this was so perfect. It's it's Jericho trying to put Cena in the walls of Jericho. Cena countering into a basic, just small package, very technical one, two, three. Do you know what I mean? Like it was it was pitch perfect for the established superstar and the rookie and the rookie to go over with the super technical move after he had managed to counter the superstars finisher. This yeah. feels more. Um, true to form because he doesn't have a finisher yet that's exactly correct it's all you don't know what's coming that's what i love about this cena you have no idea what's coming because you don't have the typical quips that he adds later so fun stuff fun stuff gave the cast we all went with cj but dan went with jc and that unfortunately was the wrong call in this scenario because jc was the winner here and jc is john cena not jesus christ of course and cj is not cj from grand theft auto san andreas so John Cena does go over, and we're looking at a two and one, two and one, one and two, gentlemen. Guys, I think we got to stop abbreviating on this sheet because I think Blake loses a little bit trying to figure out which which CJ and JC is which. <laughs> Just trying to catch up here. Lots of coffee here. At wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought Dan was going for a sunset flip, and suddenly he has a victory I've, after he loses again. No, 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 no. no, I've no. Blown it. I, John Cena went over, so I, I guessed correctly on that one. We so I all blew. picked John Cena. No, Got you it. guys picked. No, I'm sorry. What I meant to say was CJ from Grand Theft Auto. You know what? I, we both <laughs> exactly. went with Chris exactly. Jericho. And Jesus we, Christ, Blake! <laughs> it was wrong. No, JC is John Cena, not Jesus Christ. <laughs> I said that specifically. Okay. John Cena, Dan went with. He's correct. One and two. We went with Chris Jericho. We're we're two and one. Do you see how much clearer it is when you say it without your your fun alphabet soup bullshit? I like alphabet (laughs) soup. We'll return after these messages. In 10 days, the hottest new star in Hollywood returns with great vengeance and furious anger. The Rock. The most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. Kurt Angle. I'm a man of action. Oh, it's true. The Undertaker. I will inflict more pain. I will make you suffer. A triple threat match for the WWE Undisputed Championship. WWE Vengeance, presented by Subway, live 10 days away on pay-per-view. And for the next match on the card, we have BL versus RVD. Yes. I hate both of you. (laughs) Burger King versus RVD. I-H-B-O-Y. How's that? Brock Lesnar versus Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental Championship. And boy, do I love a Rob Van Dam match. And I love this pairing. Love this pairing. Yeah, it's really working for me. However, prior to this match, we have a very awkward handoff at the commentator table where Taz and Michael Cole go out and Jim Ross and the King Jerry Lawler come in and they get a big entrance. And I'm sorry, but it was just so awkward and momentum killing once again, like this whole brand split and the idea that we're going to have to. And I know this is a thing that still exists because we watch current pay-per-view. So I'm sorry to say I know that this is never going away, but why there have to be different commentating teams splitting time on the pay-per-view is just fucking beyond me. 
And it's not like you've got just like an overabundance of great commentators. It's like you've got two good ones and then the rest can probably just go the fuck home. Yeah. And the thing is, if you wanted to do it where like every other pay-per-view, so like this pay-per-view was the Raw team and the next pay-per-view is the SmackDown team, fine. I'd be fine with that. But to literally have have the handoff as part of the pay-per-view, I'm just like, no, I don't need this. I don't need this at all. And I don't know if they were trying to like pay homage to the 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 issues that Taz and Lawler had with you know they he's handing off the microphone to Taz and it's a weird awkward handshake yeah it's just so weird and unnecessary. Did we just put so. the car in park and hit reverse again? Because that is how it feels when you go from commentating teams that are still around today, then going to Lawler and Jr. Who I feel like are the old school. It just feels very weird. I think everything is moving backwards in this timeline. Yeah, but I will say, going back to this actual match, the reason I figured out why the Brock Lesnar-Rob Van Dam feud works so well for me is that Rob Van Dam is extremely nimble and Brock is big enough to just toss a nimble guy around. It's basically like watching a gorilla fight a cat because like Rob Van Dam's <laughs> always going to land on his feet and Brock Lesnar's always going to be this big ape and very, very strong, and it's fun to watch him just like push rvd to the limit i just think it's a perfect mix of high flight and high impact well i think it's the same reason why spider-man versus rhino like works it's that same kind of you know dichotomy that's a great comparison yeah except that rhino is not really in the company right now i know well is he i don't know we don't know no idea we don't know show up for briefly Yes, he comes in and goes very quickly. Uh, I, I feel like Dan I, is still talking about the Rhino from Spider Man, and I'm a little concerned right now that well, we've he, lost. The did, was I just watching an episode of Spider Man? Is that the problem? Oh man, I did it again, guys. He's got <laughs> us for three minutes. Um, interestingly, when watching this match, I thought the reason why I love this is because Brock Lesnar is selling. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Like the beginning of the match, especially, you watch it when Van Dam does his strikes. Lesnar selling. I think if you watch a Lesnar match today, I don't see a lot of selling. And that's not if, if he's going against Roman Reigns for sure. But watch him with anyone else that's not a big imposing figure. He doesn't sell shit. You know? Yeah. It's just yeah. not the way that you do that. Brock's even selling like low bridges and stupid shit like that and doing it very well. I will say that leading into this match, we see Brock Lesnar working out. And he's doing push-ups. And just from his nipples up, he's got a six pack. The man has a six pack. <laughs> yeah, That's it's weird. To me. It's it needs to be covered up, Brian. It needs to be covered <laughs> up, and we know what's coming. Okay, no spoilers. <laughs> but it's a giant dick sword. Okay. <laughs> Tattooed right in the center of his chest. If you could pick one tattoo for Brock Lesnar, what would it be? A dick grenade, you say? Okay, then. All righty. I definitely think just kind of speaking with the before match, during match, like there are two different Brock Lesnar's. There's the Brock Lesnar in the in the ring that I like. I think he's got a lot of good, you know, a lot of great talent, and and I think he's going to go. He's going to go places. I'm going to use that phrase again. Uh, but then the 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 outside of the ring Brock is just weird. And maybe that's just cause he's playing off of Paul Heyman and, and it's, I just feel like he's going to um, assault someone in a bad way just at any moment. Yeah, I think, no, I, think I totally what's interesting. And what you could be getting at too is like what Brock Lesnar's mic skills are not, have they have they even been seen at all at this point? I mean, there's been a few weird interactions. Can where he... Brock Lesnar talk? Is what I yeah. want to know. And I and I think 
as well as much as I like Heyman, it seems like what you've just described, Dan, is like the ability that he's got this weird persona outside of the the match is like you don't really know what does he sound like. So they're trying to figure out the dynamic, right? And I do think Heyman yeah. is very important in that because he does have the ability to carry a little bit of that weight that Lesnar just can't. And if maybe it's just because he works better as the machine, and you know, like Heyman's the the mouthpiece, but uh, it's old school. You know the the song of the south or the not the song of the south the mouth of not the, south. the song of the south we're not going not there the song of the south at all Jimmy Hart <laughs> mouth of the south uh, for Hogan so what other racist Disney movies can we compare this pay per view to let's uh, let's take a minute and figure this out no I think the Paul Heyman connection is other another natural sort of connective tissue that makes this rivalry work because of course Paul Heyman used to be the guy that ran ECW where Rob Van Dam came from and mm-hmm. now he's like Blake said the mouth of the south kind of jimmy hart character for brock lesnar so i i I think every aspect of this rivalry works i will say the one thing that very much surprised me is that brock lesnar went over and took the belt away from rob van dam because only because i really do feel that he is being pushed for championship status and i will be very surprised if he doesn't win the undisputed title at SummerSlam after winning king of the ring so it's just interesting to me that the pay-per-view before SummerSlam. We're giving him the Intercontinental, but he's going to have to drop that belt before he gets to SummerSlam. I guarantee to you. Mm, didn't RVD win this? Yeah, but he de- he uh, defeated Brock Lesnar by disqualification. Oh, yeah. okay. So Brock wins technically, but it was a disc. Okay, so that makes a lot. Okay, guys, that makes a lot more sense because yeah. I had Brock underlined as the winner. But I was like, how can he be the new Intercontinental Champion when he's clearly being bred for the, the big title? Yeah, well, now Van Damme retained. Yeah, yeah. So how did we do in King of the Cast on this one? On King of the Cast, I'm not going to do any abbreviations. Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar for Blake and Brian, who was incorrect. RVD for Dan. Now we're all stuck at two and two, gentlemen. We Wait, are. Hold on. Hold on. That's, what, that's what I think that was. I, I thought RVD won. Like, he won the match, but. Who won this match? <laughs> Right now, I'm very confused. Rob Van Dam won the match when Brock Lesnar disqualified himself. Brock got disqualified. Okay, yes. thank you. I was yes. very confused on this one. So Rob Van Dam won the match. Because but, Brock was disqualified. Got it. Right. Now we're full circle. Squared circle. Guys, we promise we did watch the pay-per-view a couple Multiple times. times. <laughs> if you <laughs> listen to our new patron bonus show, The K Fables, which is just us recording our watching of these pay-per-views, the, the Zoom calls where we watch these pay-per-views, you'll know that we were on like our fourth viewing of Vengeance, and I still can't get this shit straight. Uh, K Fables is the greatest tagline of anything of all time. So I just want everyone K-fables. to know that. K Fables! For the next match on the card... For the next match on the card, well, it's Big Show versus Booker T, and it's for nothing at all, and it's why is it here? Because I don't care about this match. But will you admit, as I will right now, that this match was better than I could have ever expected? I'm not saying it was great. I am saying that I had no expectations, and I thought, like, ah, okay. Like, I didn't love it, but I thought it was going to be god-awful, and I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised that it was not god-awful. Could I qualify this more with lower bars to clear? Yeah, I think that's that's about it. Yeah, I'm, I just don't like it. That's 
all I have to say about that. I mean, we got a cool table spot. We got some cool flippy action going on. Like there were a couple spots where I was like, huh, that was, that was impressive. And then, yeah, the match was over and I was like, "Eh, okay, we can move on. But I did not hate this match. It just, it, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of substance there. I don't know. Like for, you know, there was those few bit, a little bit of spots, but I don't know. I, I, do you know how long was the match? The match was looking back again as I bring up the website. Can't find it. There it is. Uh, six minutes and fourteen seconds. So okay. it is the third shortest match on the card. It's yeah, right yeah. in the middle. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's about what I'd expect for that. I didn't realize it was a no disqualification match, though. I like I literally had. I, I will say that's not a great. Uh, pray it's not a great selling point for this match that I didn't even remember that it was no DQ. Let's be honest. This match is basically the go, uh, get a drink, go to the bathroom match. Cause you, you put it up next to Van Dam Lesnar, which are staying in your seat for that. And then mm-hmm. after this match, we're going to have a tag team match for the, uh, tag team championship and then the main event. So, okay. But then yeah. explain to me why after this go to the bathroom match, we have the go to the bathroom segment with Triple H trying to decide which company he's going to go to. Like that bathroom line could be as long as it round the entire building and you'd still be fine. I, I do find it hilarious that Triple H is like, but what about uh, me? Put me on the screen. Uh, what happens to my character? Like, seriously, got to keep got to keep pushing him. Triple H goes over. Look, this Christmas my youngest had a little bit of the gimmies and every time we would wrap a gift for somebody, he would say, where's one for me or like, is that for me? (laughs) Yeah, me too, bro. Where's one for me. And I feel like triple H is full on a five-year-old at Christmas. If anyone else gets attention, what about me? Where's one for me? That's hilarious. It's time to act like Zane. <laughs> it's all about the Zane. It's a Zane. It's all about Zane. <laughs> Zane is way cuter than Triple H. Uh, although, oh, for sure, both, for sure, that's both true. of them have the same problem drinking out of cups when it comes to water. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least that. Uh, yeah, Booker T goes over in this one. And Blake, how did we fare in King of the Cast? Well, we uh, Brian and uh, myself picked Booker T. We've picked every. Every person in the same same category. Interesting. I am going to be so angry if this is the first time somebody picks everything right, but then we forgot to do the first one, and therefore we still have not had a perfect game. <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed, you guys. Well, uh, Big Booker T did not win, so we are now at... Oh, I'm sorry, Booker T did win, so we God are 3 damn it, and 2. Blake. And Dan is at uh, 2 and 3 because he picked the big show. So Booker T Not sure over. why. That was not advisable. Maybe I was oh, going for a sunset flip, and that's why I, st- I picked him. Yeah. Oh, wait. We're 3 and 2, so we're fine. Yeah, we're good. We're fine. We're, we're all good. fine here. We're Everything's all fine. fine. All fine here. Nothing's going to happen. We'll return after these messages. Normally, 1-800-CALL-ATT for collect calls uses Caratop as their spokesman. It's free for you and cheap for them. But for the 1-800-CALL-ATT WrestleMania sweepstakes, they bring in Kurt Angle, a real superstar. Oh, it's true. Just dial down the center with 1-800-C-A-L-L-A-T-T for a chance to enter to win. The more you call, the more chances you have to win. So if you want to go to WrestleMania, listen to your favorite WWF superstar and use 1-800-CALL-ATT. Will that be all, Mr. Austin? What? 
For the next match on the card, we have the most interesting pairing of two wrestlers to be a tag team I think I've ever seen, which is Edge and Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who are the champions coming into this, versus the Un-Americans, Christian and Lance Storm. Uh, Now, the Un-Americans are essentially your typical anti-America team. Um, this Except that it's Canada, which in 2002 was the only safe stereotype that Vince could do and get away with it. So it's like Canada is the evil foreigners. That's true. And uh, yeah, the, the reference being is that there's always going to be anti-America teams because this is Vince McMahon and this is what he thinks. This is how he feels like the only thing that will work is big and scary. America wins over, you know, oh, anything anti-America is, is terrible. Like it's just fucking it's all terrible. heels are blonde or foreign or both. That is how Vince McMahon thinks. So going into this match, you're wondering how they decided to pay, uh, pair Edge and Hulk Hogan. I love it, though, because I'm sure Edge is over the fucking moon to be paired with Hulk Hogan and then to be tag team champion with him. It just seems like Vince was like, hey, or give him gold. You know, Hogan is so over with the in arena crowds. I don't think he's drawing pay-per-view buys. I don't think he's selling a lot of merch at this point. I just think that people love Hogan. They love yeah. to cheer for Hogan, and it does add that ability in a pay-per-view to just amp the crowd up. And it does work here, too. It's just, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I will say that, and and please understand that this is not me being unkind, but Mariah Carey, when she uh, started to get up there in age and put on a little bit of weight, I still think she's an incredibly beautiful woman. But what they started having to do is hire background dancers who could really move and and be flashy and kinetic in their movement to kind of give the illusion that Mariah Carey was also, you know, kind of still able to dance around when she couldn't. And I feel like the pairing of Hogan and Edge is exactly that, where Hogan is the Mariah Carey in this scenario and Edge is the backup dancers because Edge's energy really does carry them and really is what allowed them to get to a place where I didn't hate the idea of them being tag team champions together. And you have the added element of Edge being a huge Hogan fan. So that really worked. However, Hogan is so broken that he can't have a belt for more than one pay-per-view because at any moment he could collapse like you've been playing Jenga for an hour now and it still hasn't fallen over yet. You just know that at some point it's going to come toppling down so they can't keep the belt on him for long, which should be fine, except that in this case it means you have to hand over the tag team belts to Lance Storm and Christian. Like, really? That's where we're I mean, I guess it's better than than Chuck and Billy, but like. Yep, really? We have seemed to move away from that, which is a blessing, but I love the act again, just like we talked about angle going over Hogan and Hogan actually submitting. I love the act of Hogan getting a belt and then allowing another team to go over. It kind of shows the the differences between WCW and today, but it just feels weird doing it to the un-Americans. It just like there should be somebody a little bit more esteemed to take it. I don't know. My, well, my two cents. It's, Esteem or not, the Un-Americans do go over and become the new tag team champions. So, Blake, how did we fare in this one, in this particular match in King of the Cast, the 9 minute and 48 second tag team championship? Well, I love it and I hate it, but we are all tied now because Brian and I incorrectly went with Edge and Hulk Hogan and Dan with the Un-Americans because, Dan, now it is clear to me what you were trying to do. Yes, I think it's very clear. It's clear. Are you telling me, or Doc, are you telling me that we're going into the main event? A triple threat match all tied up. Yes. Yes, Marty. And it's one of the best triple threat matches of all time. Okay, before we even get into this match, 
Did each of us pick a different person in that triple threat scenario? Well, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, my God. There will be a winner. For all the marbles, this triple threat match, not only for the Undisputed Championship, but for King of the Cast as well. This is where real sports drama lives, and I'm suddenly very happy that we forgot to pick a winner for that first match. (laughs) And I'm going to pretend that it was by design. Blake went with Kansas Athletics. Brian went with the University of Texas. And Dan went with... The Raging Cajuns. Stop it. I don't know what any of that means. I literally don't know what any of that means. Who went with? Just say the words. Kurt Angle is what I went with. Brian went with The Rock. I'm sorry. Brian went with Undertaker and Dan went with The Rock. So I think each pick is actually a fair um, winner if it it does come out to that. Uh, You know, you could make an argument that each one of these guys deserves the belt. Um, Taker being the champion incumbent. doesn't really seem to inspire much from a rating standpoint. I think it's like kind of stagnant and falling off because clearly Austin was a huge aspect of this company. Once again, he's gone. Undertaker's going to step up and take the belt, lead the charge. This match is brilliant in so many ways. And I do think it's just, it is just an appreciation of wrestling and those three guys coming together and working a match that is beautiful. And it's not even, it, 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 kind of sneaks up on you that's how good it is like it's a lot of fun it's something we haven't been able to say about taker in a while is that he actually is living up to the other two wrestlers in in the match with him um i thought this was probably his his best showing in in a long while i was very pleased with it this match is a coming together of some of the best to ever do it plus 2002 undertaker but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to his credit, I will, I'll be fair here. Uh, the Undertaker yeah. is starting to sell more, much like Brock Lesnar is really mm-hmm. selling more than he normally does, which is impressive to see. I also am a huge sucker for any time wrestlers are doing each other's finishers. Mm-hmm. It's just like catnip for me. And not only that, but I think it was funny. <clears throat> as we were watching this match, we started thinking about the upcoming you know, Academy Awards and what films might be nominated for Best Picture. And we started to equate... Like the rock is everything everywhere all at once. Kurt Angle is obviously Top Gun Maverick and Taker is <laughs> and Taker is Tar. So it was literally a battle of the three potential uh best picture uh nominees and it was just hilarious to watch it on on that level. Yeah, it's I mean RPV here, we're gonna tie it into movies where we can. Um and and like you said, uh, you kinda your audio kinda cut out there for a second, but other wrestlers doing other wrestlers finishers is a not so often used quirk at the time of this match. Um, and I don't think it's a big thing on other TVs as well. Cause it's like a, s- a show of respect. Um, so usually this mm-hmm. is only happening on the independent circuit, but it was actually Kurt Angle's idea to pitch that. Right. And the rock doing the choke slam, Kurt Angle doing um, the uh, rock bottom and taker doing the angle slam. Like it was mm-hmm. kind of a way to keep the match dynamic because in this match and any triple threat match, really it's two guys fighting and one guy selling either outside or inside the ring. So they did a really good job making it feel like all three of them were engaged at once when in reality it was never like that. And there was actual tension, like making yeah. it a three person match, I think is always going to like, I feel like when you have a one-on-one and you, you can, you can look at where the company is at that point, it's, usually pretty easy to figure out who's going to win but when you have a triple threat match just adding in that extra person that extra storyline 
it really does throw a wrench in the works to the point that you don't always know how it's going to come out. I'll admit, I had no idea how this one was going to come out. Funny little sidebar real quick. Leading up to this match, Kurt Angle and Undertaker had a match on SmackDown, right? SmackDown at the time was not live. It was taped. So what happened was Undertaker hit um, Kurt Angle with the last ride, but then Kurt Angle also had a submission as well during that time. Well, in the original live taping, it was a little confusing on what happened. They didn't do the spot correctly. So they basically got to the back and Vince said, I hated that. You're going to go back there and redo it, but we're going to wait till everybody's left the arena and we're going to fill the crowd with just WWE staff. And they reshot a few aspects of that match in a specific what? angle. Yes. And that would have never been known unless uh, Kurt Angle didn't say it and Meltzer didn't say it at the time. Like Vince was not happy with that ending because it was confusing. It was like, did Angle win the championship or did Taker retain? Like it was a very weird back and forth. And I don't. I kind of love that that yeah. he didn't like that. At the same time, it, like he was holding in a submission, but he was also his shoulders were on the mat as he was holding the submission. So it got kind of one, two, three as Taker tapped out. Like I thought that was cool. It was like a Rocky two kind of ending. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to hear that story, and I've I've been loving diving into some of the stuff going around wrestling at the time. So as we go on with these, as we're covering so much content at once, I think it will be important to kind of add in these little fun tidbits of wrestling uh, uh, news and and kind of what's happening behind the scenes. Because I think it's like going to IMDb trivia of like movies that you love. It's it's been a fun fun aspect for me in, in this in this go around. It's always fun to have the context. All right, so who is it that goes over in this match? Well, basing on the conversation that we had before, and if you weren't confused, well, I got to tell you, Dan, Dan, Dan is your new King of the Cast champion. What do you got to say to that, my man? Yeah, boy, Rock never let me down. Love it. Love it. No, I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing the new format here. I think it's going to be a little bit more dynamic, uh, as as some of the uh, the wrestling matches are. Um, I'm looking forward to being having a little more positivity um, with our recaps, and uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to watching more wrestling with you guys. The Rock having the belt, like what a what a shot in the mm-hmm. arm! What a just like an injection of of energy and and life into the company and i'm just i'm so excited i've never been more excited to lose king of the cast i guess is what i'm trying to say <laughs> it was a it was a pleasant ending to a uh, a good pay-per-view um in my opinion and uh you could've... i i think it's a good pay-per-view as well and and in fact let's go ahead and do the bottom line and that's the bottom line so on a score of one to ten blake what do you give vengeance 2002 i'm gonna give it Eight retapings of SmackDown out of ten, because <laughs> it's a hell of a good pay per view. I love the Kurt Angle, uh, Rock, Undertaker triple threat match. I enjoyed the tag team match of Hogan, Edge, uh, and the Un Americans. Lesnar and Van Dam was a ride. Chris Jericho and John Cena was a hell of a time. And I liked the Billy Kidman and Jamie Noble match as well as the opening. So yeah, I I, I stand by that eight. I'm going to go with eight out of 10 as well, because I, I I just looked at it and I was impressed with or really thoroughly enjoyed, you know, five out of the eight matches, which I think is a ratio that we haven't seen in a while. So I'm going to give it eight out of 10 Bible verses that aren't actually Bible verses. They're just Quentin Tarantino quotes. <laughs> Dan. 
You know what? Uh, I think I'm going to make this a true triple eight backstage warm tongues. Wow. It's time to play the game with triple eight. Yep. That's right. No, I, I, I agree. There was one match that was forgettable in my mind and uh, the rest of them were, they, it really built and, and developed into a really, really good pay-per-view. I enjoyed watching it all four times we did. <laughs> now, yeah, all four times. Jesus Christ. Now, pursuant to the new format, that means that we have to pick not only SummerSlam's matches for King of the Cast, but Unforgiven as well. So let's start mm-hmm. with SummerSlam. Blake, let's get our picks in now. Oh my God, I'm so excited based on these matchups. Uh, yes. All right. So the first match is Rey Mysterio. Hell, hell, who's yes. that jumping out of the sky? Hell I'm yeah. so excited. Versus, get this, Kurt Angle. He's going to go up against Kurt Angle. Holy shit. Well, that's All a right. tough first pay-per-view match. I'm going to go with our boy Ray, dude. He's got to come out strong. But I could see, I don't know, I could see him winning and Kurt Angle like being disqualified or some shit. I mean, they gave Cena the victory over Jericho in his first pay-per-view, and Rey Mysterio is a legend at this point. He's just never been in this company before. So I'm going big play Ray. Dano, what you got? Well, since you guys always pick the same and I go the opposite, Curdy boy. Kurt Boy is your guy. Uh, the next match on the card, no title, no nothing, just a singles match back and forth. We have Ric Flair versus Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Why, <laughs> why is this match happening? But yes, Jericho. <laughs> the, why is Ric Flair still wrestling? Uh, that could yes. be a banger. I don't know. I mean, Jericho does a pretty decent job of kind of carrying, so we'll see. Uh, the next yeah. match on the card, single versus single. Ooh. Oh, this is going to be good. Ooh, we got Edge versus Eddie. I mean, I'm excited for this shit. I mean, with the first three yeah. matches, you got a potential dud, but two banger potentials. Yeah. Oof. Oof. I'm going Eddie. This is a toss-up. This is a toss-up. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to go Edge. I don't know why, but I'm just I'm just going to go Edge. Eddie. 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 Uh, next one up, we got the tag team title match: uh, the Un-Americans versus uh, Booker T and Goldust. I love the uh, the tag team Booker T and Goldust. The few segments they've uh, had in the back that's have so been funny. so flipping hilarious. That's who I'm going with: T and Gold. T Gold. Uh, I think they're gonna stick with the Un-Americans. Myself, I got a bad. I forgot man. about the third category of uh, hackneyed wrestling heels, which is the effeminate and or gay characters that are always heels because wrestling um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with booker t and gold dust oh not what i thought you'd yeah be. i love how blake started filling it in before i'd even <laughs> said surprising everyone including blake <laughs> blake hey. is trying to make his picks for what my picks are going to be <laughs> playing his own game hey man it didn't go in the ballot box yet chill out chill out uh, <laughs> the next match on the card uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit. Now, I feel like we've had this match before. Have we not? I swear, I like the like UK paper. I don't we think did. so. Because he got a black eye from something, and then he wrestled somebody in the UK pay-per-view. I swear it was Van Dam, but maybe it was Eddie. I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe it was in the UK, but I don't remember it being one we really talked about. I'm going to go he who must not be named. Yeah, I'm going to do the same, Blake. Uh, I want it. Well, 
Nah, RVD for life. RVD, RVD. The next match on the card is Test versus Undertaker. Oh, how the the mighty have fallen. fallen. Has his his year of immunity um, run run out at this point? Oh, I don't think anyone's cares about that anymore. I think the gas prices are starting to hit his bike. I think that's the problem. He can't he can't ride to the high. I don't know where I'm going with that. He has I to think coast down the ramp. He might have fallen, but he ain't losing the test. I'm going Taker. No. Yeah, yeah that's no Taker chance. all the way. Get out no of chance. here. And you know how much I love to pick test. Oh, you know. You know it. <laughs> um, the next match on the card, I am excited for. Um, Triple H versus Shawn Michael. Now, what's interesting to me is that during the King of the Ring match, Triple H injured his elbow. So he's, I mean, he was not 100% in that match. So therefore him getting, you know, surgery and trying to work through that, being on camera, like we had mentioned in this episode. I don't know how hard he's going to go, but this could be fucking epic. Okay, um, but keep in mind that Shawn Michaels at one point was so injured, he had to he had to hand back the championship belt because he couldn't wrestle anymore and had to basically retire from a lot of wrestling. So, yeah, maybe Triple H isn't 100%, but he's beating up on a guy that has literally got so injured he couldn't wrestle anymore. So I'm going to go Triple H by a country mile in this. I'm going to go HBK. I think Ooh. I think HBK is, is, is great. Mm, yeah, Triple H goes over. I think he's on his mend and is going to try and push himself. Mm-hmm. Now, the world heavyweight title match, Brock Lesnar versus The Rock. I, this match should be a fucking up there with... The Brock and Rock connection? Yeah, it should be up there with, like, Hogan versus Andre. Like, just... I mean, this is the new Austin versus Rock in terms of, like, the the star in the making. So, this this could be huge. Um, Having said that, I think The Rock is going over. Yeah, me too. Well, no, no, no. Let me finish. The Rock has a tendency to put other people over. The Rock's best quality as a wrestler, some would argue, is his ability to put other people over, sometimes to his own detriment. Like, there's no way people like Crash Holly should beat The Rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'll he'll put anybody over because he's that selfless a performer. So I'm going to actually say that this one goes Brock Lesnar because this is not even the first time I think this year that we've seen the rock have a one pay-per-view championship reign. So I'm going Brock Lesnar. Oh, I hate, I hate going against the rock and I think you're right, Brian, but I hate going against the rock. This is, this is a tough call guys. I'm going to put my hands together and go with, I'm going to combine their names and go with Brock. (laughs) Brock would be their celebrity couple name. All right. (laughs) What's fun about this is we get to immediately, (laughs) we get to immediately see if we were correct, I guess, by uh, also filling in our picks for unforgiven. Nice. All right. So for unforgiven, we start off with a, wait, wait, we don't necessarily know because the whoever's coming in as champion is not listed on this form. Perfect. So we don't necessarily know if we were right That's or not. True. Uh, we can true. make some assumptions as well, but it's fine. It don't. Sure. It's it. The picks have been made. The picks are in. Okay. The picks we are do in. We have here. some repeats. Of we matches. do. The first match That'll on the card: Un Americans versus Booker T, Bubba Ray, Goldust, and Kane versus 
Landstorm oh, test, no. William Regal and Christian. Uh, no. I don't care. Um, I'm going to say the Un-Americans go over. I mean, I'm still going with the Booker T sucker set. The, the, the sucker squad. I'm going with them. Okay, when it comes when it comes to a tiebreaker, test has out. So the other Oh, there we go. <laughs> Only because I made fun of myself for that last <laughs> that last pick. And this is That's not a tiebreaker. The Intercontinental Championship match will be Ric Flair versus Chris Jericho, a repeat the of the fuck? SummerSlam match. <sighs> that wasn't for the Intercontinental title, though. No. So something has occurred, but this oh, could be a God. banger. Could be a banger again. We don't know uh, who's no. retaining or who's who's coming in as the, the the champion at this point or the title holder. It's it's got to be. There's no way Ric Flair is going to be the Intercontinental Champion at 90 years old. Like I just don't. I'm I'm going Jericho in this match. Jericho. I'm going Flair. Why not? Why not? Because uh, of what I said. But. Another another repeat. <laughs> All of the valid points I made. Because this is WWE and re- re- we repeat matches. For replay per view, a lot of reason there. Eddie Guerrero versus Edge. Okay. I'm going to stick with my boy Eddie. I mean, I guess I have to switch to Eddie if I think Edge is going to win the last one. They're not going to have the same outcome of the same match two pay per views in a row, right? For that exact reasoning, Brian, I'm going with Edge. (laughs) I was literally thinking, well, I'm not going to pick the same person twice. I'm rolling the dice. I'm going to be right one way or the other. One out of two, no matter what, 50%. What if you're wrong in both? <laughs> Damn it, I didn't think That's about that. The, picks, the pick be. is in. The pick is in. Pick is in. Uh, the next now, this match, is an interesting match because I don't know who two of these people are. Jamal and yep. Rosie versus Billy and Chuck. Well, Yeah, who is Billy and Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> well played. Bait that hook, sir. Bait that hook. I think it's Jamal Tinsley versus Jalen Rosie. But that's for the Pacers fans. <laughs> Jalen Rosie? <laughs> yeah, that's what they called him in the locker room. Don't worry about it, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, coming uh, out of Michigan, they called him Jalen Rosie. I'm not a fan of Billy and Chuck, so I'm going to go with Jamal and Rosie. I don't know who they are, but uh, I like their names. Yes, yeah, I'm going to go with Jamal and Rosie, not because I like them, but because of how much I hate Billy and Chuck. Yep. All right, we all agree there. Next match on the card for the World Heavyweight Tide. Wait a second. That, that can't be right. Wait a second. No, it is right. There are two title matches in this card. Did they split the belt? They did. So this oh, match will be Triple H uh, versus Rob Van Dam. Well, you know it's Triple H. Well, it's Triple H. Like, absolutely, it's fucking Triple H. But wow, they've split the belt. Okay, we got that storyline to look forward to. Uh, As we know, know, that is something that also... Yeah, you know, 2002... 2002 has been an, a really momentous year for things that are con- going to continue to be up until now. Yup. Uh, that was a well-formulated sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yup. For the next match on the card, we got Trish Stratus versus Molly Holly again for the World Women's title match. Um, Trish. Yeah, I'm going to say Stratosphere. Oh, I think Molly's coming in with it. Well, and things, Unless things have changed, there's only like two, re- two women wrestlers in the company at this point uh i'm gonna go molly holly even though i think you guys are right i want to be different but my molly my molly's telling me yes um kurt angle drink water (laughs) 
Yes, hydration is important. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit for a singles match, uh, one that could be amazing. Um, but I'm gonna go mm-hmm. with Kurt Angle. Yeah, Kurt Angle. I'm gonna go with he who he who shall not be named. Benoit and Angle. I said, Ryan. don't name him. Don't say his name after I say he shouldn't be named. I know. What it's are you, like Harry Potter? Name. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the next match. We're going to give our boy Keith a little bit of uh, slack here because uh, it is a hot lesbian action match. And he literally states it's Eric Bischoff with lesbian. It literally says this everywhere I find it. Our boy Keith does not necessarily watch wrestling. He's just helping us out because that's the good guy that he is. He's trying to help us understand that this is a match with lesbians and Eric Bischoff's behind it. And he's facing Stephanie McMahon. I don't know who the hell I want or should pick. I don't but think I'm, anybody wins this match. Like no I, one wins this match. I but don't I'm gonna, think Keith is making a joke. I think he's I saying that he's literally right. everywhere that it's written, it's a Eric Bischoff with lesbians. I'm gonna just go lesbians, Eric Bischoff. This is one of those instances where like the Booker's notes somehow made it onto the official card description <laughs> and probably shouldn't. It's just like I'm I don't give a shit. It's the lesbians and Eric Bischoff. I'm going with Stephanie McMahon just because I don't want to know what any other part of this. Yeah, same. Okay. For the title heavyweight title match, the WWE versus the world heavyweight title match, which was earlier. We have well, at Brock- least we know who won that uh, last uh, pay-per-view. Well, Tess could have won it in between, and then Taker could have then gone to the main event. We don't know that. That's true. That's true. That's uh, true. Brock it's not Le- true. It's not true. It's not Kurt Angle. Uh Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker. Now, holy shit. Holy shit. Because that probably means that Brock won, so I'm going to go Brock. That's what I just said, Blake. Yeah, Blake doesn't listen to anyone. I was thinking about my pick and not listening. I'm sticking with Brock. And also also picking for me as he filled mine in again before I said it. It's auto-filled. Chill out. Nothing is fucked, It's not a thing. (laughs) Do you know what the what these two uh, what their Hollywood couple would be? The breaker, the breaker, the underbreaker. I'm gonna go with Brock Lesnar as well, though. Oh, you! Dick. <laughs> I was literally at it. I deleted it for your schmuck of a response. All right. Well, there it is. Our picks for both Unforgiven and SummerSlam. We will look at the cumulative score to uh, determine our next king of the cast on the episode where we talk about the highlights of both SummerSlam and Unforgiven 2002. Welcome to the new world order of replay preview. Replay preview listeners, in much of vain as Triple H would say, are you ready? <laughs> make sure to follow us on all the social medias and if you want to become a patron patreon.com slash junk food cinema one of the things you will get as a patron in addition to ad free episodes is additional episodes of the k fables where it's just us at our absolute highest fuckery watching these pay-per-views on zoom calls and just being us and that in and of itself is lunacy yes it's basically the late night hour with rpv it's pretty fun we we don't hit record until 12 o'clock midnight. This bow, is bow, 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 uh, terrifyingly bow. accurate. Game Fables! God damn it, Blake. Plug or promote before we get out of here? Just K-Fables RPV and when I'm doing it, Junk Food Arcade, which is usually on Thursdays. So uh, it hasn't been in quite some time. So just expect that on Twitter at some point. That's on Twitch. But yes, okay. Yes, uh, Junk Food Arcade coming back soon. I love to hear that. 
Yes, I meant Twitch. Sorry. Twitter is on the mind as well. Just crazy times that we live in. Blake's starting a new platform called Twitcher, and uh, it's going to be <laughs> even more right problematic. Twittering. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for the very last single pay-per-view episode of Replay Preview. Vengeance 2002 is in the books, and as we embark in this new world order, well, we're tired, so let's go home. Let's go home. We won't need roads where we're going. Hey, and before you stop recording, I just want to let everybody know, I do know that I said drink your mimosas with your thumbs up and not your pinky up, but I meant it. Thumbs up. Give it the orange <laughs> ju- the orange uh, Cassidy thumbs up. See, I like that Dan, much like the rest of us, will never admit when he's wrong. <laughs> and that is the mark of a true champion. Yeah.